When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. We've got a great PDF. It's 31 pages. It's on the top 200 drugs. It's a no-brainer. If you're going through pharmacology classes, board exams, or if you just want a little refresher, uh, on the top 200 drugs and make sure you're uh, up to speed out in clinical practice. So go get that for free, reallifepharmacology.com. All right, the drug of the day today is famotidine. Brand name of this medication is Pepsid. This is what's called an H2 blocker. Uh, essentially, from a mechanism of action standpoint, this drug Uh, blocks the action of histamine in uh, stomach parietal cells. So basically, physiologically, what happens is histamine binds H2 receptors in parietal cells in the stomach. And these cells, parietal cells, are responsible for uh, secreting gastric acid. So when histamine binds these H2 receptors, it stimulates the release of gastric acid, which lowers the pH. When we use famotidine, it blocks those receptors so histamine can't bind. Therefore, we have less acid secretion and it's going to help with symptoms of things like heartburn and GERD. And that indeed is the primary use. In my practice, uh, that's probably 90 to 95% of the time. If I see famotidine, that's what it's being used for. Uh, However, there are some uh, less common usages. Uh, I guess first associated with GERD is stress ulcer prophylaxis. Uh, That's going to be obviously more so in an institutional hospital uh, type setting. So it can be used there. Um, The unique uses that I have seen occasionally, uh, one is pre-medication. Uh, for some drugs that have infusion type reactions and most often it's going to be associated with specific oncology agents and when you think about infusion reactions usually you think of corticosteroids being used to manage them uh, and or uh, Benadryl or diphenhydramine so an, an older antihistamine and indeed those are two of the more common medications used as kind of pretreatment. Uh, to prevent uh, infusion reactions for certain medications. Uh, But in some situations, we may actually add on uh, famotidine as well and get kind of a little added uh, H2 blockade in addition uh, to the uh, antihistamine, the older first-generation antihistamines that are going to uh, typically more block uh, histamine receptors 1. The other unique use that I have seen a couple of times in my life, not terribly often uh, in uh, 10 plus years of of practice uh, is urticaria or itching. And this is generally in severe, severe cases, uh, patients uh, that are taking 
uh, again, those older generation antihistamines that help with itch, your hydroxazine, your diphenhydramine. Uh, in some cases, you may see famotidine added on uh, just to try and see if it helps at all. So again, that's kind of a down the road, last line type of option for itching and, and urticaria. Uh, but I have seen it a couple of times. All right, let's talk uh, dosing a little bit. Uh, typical dose, 10 to 20 milligrams twice a day. Uh, I do see it once a day. I do see it sometimes at night. I do see it sometimes in morning. And it, and it may depend upon what's going on clinically with your patient. When do they have symptoms? When do they have most of their issues? Now, that's generally... Uh, the dosing for kind of mild to moderate cases of GERD. In patients with frequent symptoms or severe symptoms of GERD, odds are likely we're probably not going to use an H2 blocker. Uh, the one exception might be in, in rare cases where we add on an H2 blocker on top of a PPI. Now, I have seen that quite a bit. Uh, the preferred way to do that typically um, and the most common way that I've seen that utilized is do your PPI in the morning before breakfast as it's supposed to be administered, typically 30 minutes before breakfast. That's an ideal for, for a PPI. Uh, and then the uh, famotidine is generally dosed in the evening. So that's how I've seen it most in practice. Um, it's a little bit anecdotal as far as I think people using that and you know there may be a little bit of evidence for that um, but I definitely you know see that um, when a PPI and an H2 blocker uh, are used together in the same patient. Uh, I typically would not recommend using a PPI and H2 blocker at the same time. I don't think that's going to give you any um, real significant advantage and obviously um, from my perspective is going to uh, worsen polypharmacy and give patients another pill to take. So um, generally, yeah, I, I definitely discourage using them at the same time, giving them at the same time in the morning, for example, there. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, um, kind of going back to uses, uh, there were some people purporting and, and maybe still are uh, that it's beneficial for COVID. Uh, so anyway, at the time of this podcast, there isn't any really great evidence. And uh, Infectious Disease Society of America um, does not uh, approve of the use of famotidine except for in clinical trial for management of COVID. So again, IDSA does not recommend famotidine for COVID uh, treatment at this time. Uh, adverse drug reactions, uh, from my perspective, anecdotally, I haven't seen a lot of adverse effects from famotidine, which is great, obviously. A uh, couple things, you know, it might affect GI tract a little bit, constipation, diarrhea, depending upon the patient, maybe headache. Again, very low percentages, incidence of, of adverse effects there. Um, one thing I did really want to mention was B12 deficiency. So that is something I have caught as a consultant. Um, recognizing that if you see somebody being treated for B12 deficiency with supplementation, uh, go take a peek at that at that med list and make sure famotidine um, isn't potentially contributing to that. And again, it kind of goes back to the uh, 
point that I've made with PPIs and stuff in the past is make sure you're reassessing these drugs. Don't just start them and, and leave patients on them forever. Uh, make sure they actually continue to need it and the use is justified. So again, trialing down, tapering down, uh, trying off, trying as needed only, um, reduce and minimize the use of medications where possible. Uh, and that's going to obviously help us avoid things like B12 deficiency as an adverse effect. Famotidine does have OTC over-the-counter availability. So patients can go to a store, pick it up. Obviously, they don't have to consult with a pharmacist. They don't have to consult with a physician. Um, so that can be a little problematic in some situations, particularly if patients have more uh, severe symptoms where something else might be going on medically and they haven't been uh, assessed by a healthcare professional. So um, that OTC availability is obviously convenient, but on the flip side, uh, we may miss some things if the patients uh, don't come in right away and, and ask about the symptoms and, and what's going on. Now, if you're uh, in a community, a pharmacy type space, uh, alarm system uh, systems, uh, excuse me, alarm symptoms uh, to be worried about um, blood, obviously, any sort of vomiting, that type of thing, uh, weight loss, significant pain, um, blood in the stool might be indicative of GI bleed or black tarry stools. Uh, so those are some kind of alarm symptoms where if a patient reports that that's something that they definitely need to go um, get assessed, possibly get some tests done, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, pharmacokinetics, renal elimination. So that's important to remember. Uh, it is significantly eliminated by the kidney. So what that means, poor renal function, we're going to likely have to start uh, dialing back on the dose. And there is recommendations for dosing. I'm not going to go through them. Um, I just know it's one of those drugs that I look up if I see somebody's got, you know, CKD stage three, CKD stage four, uh, I'm definitely going to look and see what the appropriate uh, dose is there just to, to double check. Comparing it, uh, famotidine to PPIs as far as um, duration of action, onset of action, uh, famotidine generally is going to have a quicker onset of action. So patients might feel a little bit better, a little bit more quickly. Um, with famotidine compared to a PPI. Now, definitely not as potent uh, as uh, an acid-reducing agent compared to PPIs, um, but it may work a little bit more quickly uh, in, in certain situations there. Uh, it does, however, have a shorter duration, which makes sense. That's why we you know, often dose this medication if patients have symptoms all day. Um, we're going to dose this generally twice a day. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, like pharmacotherapy, ambulatory care, geriatrics, BCMTMS, or the psychiatric exam, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a growing list of resources updated on an annual basis, and we've helped thousands of pharmacists pass their exam. So go check out meded101.com slash store. In addition, if you're a nurse, PA, nurse practitioner, med student, physician, uh, we've got books on case studies, clinical pearls. We've also got audible books. My most recent release was Perils of Polypharmacy. Great review of case studies, geriatrics, 
polypharmacy uh, and some of the things that I've encountered in my practice as a clinical pharmacist. So go check out all those resources, support the sponsor, uh, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, finishing up on drug interactions. So the first thing I think about with famotidine is generally we don't have a ton of drug interactions. Uh, so that's a nice thing. Uh, however, there are a couple things that come to the forefront of my mind when I think about this drug. So first and foremost, whenever we reduce acid in the stomach and the intestinal tract, um, we can affect the absorption of certain drugs. So some drugs need a more acidic environment to enhance or to have normal absorption. And a few of those examples, uh, cefiroxime, ketoconazole, uh, there are definitely numerous HIV medications. Uh, so definitely think about that uh, as far as drug interactions go. Uh, and when we're using H2 blockers, uh, just recognizing if there's some of those medications that need a more acidic environment to have uh, kind of their normal absorption patterns. And then the other one I wanted to mention was B12 deficiency. I alluded to it as a potential adverse effect. Uh, however, uh, I want to remind you of drugs that could add to that low B12 deficiency effect. And Really the most common one, diabetes agent, metformin, uh, definitely one that, that you should know. It comes up on um, board exams uh, certainly all the time that you need to monitor B12 uh, occasionally with metformin. And adding famotidine on board with metformin could have that additive effect. And then, of course, PPIs as well um, can reduce B12 levels. If you've got a patient on both famotidine and a PPI, which does happen occasionally, um, they may be a little bit even more at risk for B12 deficiency. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, please share us with friends, uh, coworkers, students, preceptors, uh, faculty members. Uh, we're trying to help as many people as we can uh, learn pharmacology, and I'm grateful for all the support. So uh, share us uh, with those folks. Please take the time, leave a rating, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That helps us grow and reach more people. I'm greatly appreciative of those of you who have already done that. Uh, and of course, go sign up, reallifepharmacology.com and support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. If you want to track me down, if you got any suggestions, comments, uh, mededucation101 at gmail.com or you can find me at LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. I'm going to sign off for today, and I thank you so much for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.